Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. In response to the massive Israeli military assault on Gaza in May, Palestinian workers organised a general strike that swept across the West Bank, Israel and Gaza. In solidarity, thousands of workers worldwide joined in a block-the-boat campaign that prevented Israeli ships from docking in a number of international ports. In September, six Palestinian prisoners escaped from the heavily fortified Gilboa prison in Israel, sparking a wide-scale manhunt and eventual capture of these political prisoners. Despite their eventual capture and torture by Israeli authorities, the event has been called the Great Escape across the world. Israel has been left humiliated by its lax security and Palestinians have become emboldened. These recent events pose the question for solidarity activists, how do we win in Palestine? And this was the very topic of a public meeting held by Australia Asia Worker Links on the 9th of October. On today's show, I'll bring you three of those keynote addresses. First up, Noura Mansour, who is a Palestinian educator, activist and member of the El Shabaka Policy Network. She's based in Melbourne, Australia. Thank you everyone for joining us on the weekend. Um, start, I would like to um, acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land I'm on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nations, and pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge and recognize the ongoing impact of settler colonialism on colonized people and colonized land. And uh, to answer today's question, I would like to first point out that what we see today unfolding in front of us in Palestine is a textbook case of asymmetric warfare where we have a state versus non-state actor, similar to the cases uh, of Algeria and Vietnam. Now, given that framework, the calculations of winning and losing is different to those in conventional wars where we have state versus states. So I would argue today that Palestinians are already winning in Palestine as they continue to produce moral and tactical victories on the ground. For instance, the fact that six Palestinian political prisoners who are the most targeted and marginalized group of Palestinians in Palestine have managed to plan and execute an operation which they escaped from a high security prison such as Gilboa is a win. The fact that the defenders of the mountain, Palestinians in Beta, in the West Bank are able to present a new, creative and effective form of resistance that disrupts the status quo and by extension, the comfort of Israeli settlers is also another win. The ability of two young Palestinians from Sheikh Jarrah uh, to galvanize millions of people to speak up against the injustices that the Palestinians have been forced to deal with on a daily basis for the last century because of the Zionist settler colonial project is also another great win. Then the question is today, how do we harness all these tactical and moral victories that the Palestinians are producing and how do we channel them and invest them into developing a wider long-term strategy that enables us to establish a sustainable solution that offers peace, protection and justice for Palestinian people. 
a decolonized and democratic space. Now, to answer, to answer that question, uh, I will have two main points. So there are two things that we can do to achieve that. The first one is Palestinian unity, and the second one is um, Palestinian, um, uh, thinking of the Palestinian cause as a part of a wider uh, struggle, wider global struggle. So to address the first one, which is the Palestinian unity, um, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, defending the Palestinian cause as a whole and the rights of Palestinians, all Palestinians as people. So the goal of the settler, uh, the Zionist settler colonial project was to empty the land of its indigenous Palestinian population and establish a white Jewish supremacist nation state. Now to do that, they targeted land and people. With lands, it, it took the form of control and exploitation, altering the flora and fauna through the targeting of native um, dogs and sheep, for, for instance, uprooting native trees and planting foreign trees that disrupt the local ecosystem and caused massive destruction as we've seen recently in the fires in Jerusalem. With people, the Zionist project not only targeted the physical existence of the Palestinian people through massacres and mass expulsion in 1948 and continuously um, today as well, uh, but also uh, through targeting the existence of Palestinians as people, as society. They have intentionally worked on fracturing and dividing the Palestinians into isolated and compartmentalized groups, um, insisting on examining the Palestinian cause through a holistic lens that rejects those artificial divides, in addition to actively working on connecting the Palestinians with each other, is countering the Zionist agenda, and as a result, makes it harder for them to realize their Zionist dream. Now, obviously, this is a space where Palestinians lead and allies support and amplify their voices. For instance, uh, initiatives that I'm, uh, what, what do I mean? What kind of initiatives I'm talking about here? Um, for instance, in, in most recent attacks in May, um, we've seen a, 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 or a massive strike that was organized by Palestinians in Palestine as a response to attacks on Gaza and the ongoing ethnic cleansing in Jerusalem. Um, this is an initiative clearly that addresses the Palestinian as, as a whole people and unites them behind, behind that strategy. Uh, another initiative is, um, for instance, when Palestinians in the diaspora and Palestinians in Palestine um, that seek true and proper representation in the Palestinian domestic politics. There's a campaign that calls for the rebuilding of the Palestine Liberation Organization as the true representative uh, body for all Palestinians in Palestine and outside of Palestine. So these are these initiatives that are important to bolster and support. The, the second way, um, the second way in, we, in which we can win in Palestine is thinking of Palestine as a global cause and connecting the struggles. Um, the colonization in Palestine is a forefront for a much bigger struggle on a global level. It is a struggle against imperialism, capitalism, in a unipolar global ecosystem where hegemon tries to exert power and domination over the rest of the world. The fight in Palestine is not unique to Palestine. And because of that, we must create, sustain, and strengthen connections and intersections with other groups of people who, are who we, share, we have shared values with and who are fighting similar fights. So justice for Palestine is justice for First Nation people in Australia and other parts of the world. It also means justice for workers. A win in Palestine is a win in Myanmar, Kashmir, Tamil Ilam, a win in Syria and Egypt. 
Thank you for listening. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, we ask the question, how do we win in Palestine? And our next speaker today is Frida Afari, Iranian socialist feminist in solidarity with the Palestinian struggle for self-determination. She's also the producer of the publication Iranian Progressives. Thank you uh, to the Australian Worker Links for organizing this important uh, event. And I'm, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. This is a critical moment in the Middle East and the world. The wave of popular uprisings that arose in the Middle East and North Africa region in 2019 in Sudan, Algeria, Iraq, Lebanon, Iran, have been under assault by the states, by COVID-19, and by their own internal contradictions. The wave of Palestinian popular protests that arose in May of this year in opposition to Israeli occupation is also under assault both by Israel and by the Palestinian Authority. Hamas, which controls Gaza, promotes its own reactionary and misogynist rule. At the same time, U.S. imperialism, which has now left Afghanistan, has made a deal with the racist and misogynist Taliban, which has in effect handed over power to them. The U.S. is leaving the region in order to focus its forces in the Pacific for a more destructive imperialist war with China. Israel, Saudi Arabia, other Arab states, and Turkey have been coming together with the help of the U.S., Chinese and Russian imperialism and are strengthening their own authoritarian rule against the masses of each country in the region. Russia, Iran, and Turkey continue to occupy Syria and maintain the brutal Assad regime as these states repress and kill democratic opposition within their own respective country. As an Iranian socialist feminist who is in solidarity with the Palestinian struggle for self-determination against Israeli occupation, I think the only way for Palestinians to win is to develop bonds of solidarity with regional and global struggles based on opposition to capitalism, patriarchy, racism, ethnic and religious discrimination. We need to see the latest Israeli air raids on Gaza and the Jewish mob attacks on Palestinians and mixed neighborhoods inside Israel as part of the global growth and intensification of racialized authoritarian capitalism and mass incarceration. Gaza with its population of 1.9 million has been recognized as the world's largest open air prison by the Norwegian Refugee Council. The fact that Gaza is a prison of almost 2 million Palestinians puts it third in rank only to the US prison industrial complex of uh, 2.1 million incarcerated or jailed and the Chinese mass incarceration system, which includes 1 million Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang province and another official 1.7 million in the rest of China. Within the Middle East itself, Gaza's status as an open air prison of 1.9 million puts it in the top rank to be followed by prisons in Turkey, Iran, Syria, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. All of these prisons, physical as well as ritual and ideological, 
are sites of ethnic and racial discrimination, as well as gender and sexual violence promoted by capitalist militarism, and in some cases, involving slave labor. In this context, the issue of creating bonds of solidarity between women prisoners in Palestine and the rest of the region and the world is extremely important. Palestinian socialist feminist prisoner Khaleda Jarrar had written the following in an open letter from an Israeli prison earlier this year. She said, although physically we are held captive behind fences and bars, our souls remain free and are soaring in the skies of Palestine and the world. Regardless of the severity of the Israeli occupation practices and imposed punitive measures, our free voice will continue to speak out on behalf of our people. We work to establish and consolidate human values and strive to obtain social and economic liberation that bind the free people of the world together. This is the end of the quote from Khaleda Jarar. In that spirit, I am wondering if it's possible to ask Palestinian women political prisoners to write open letters to express their solidarity with women political prisoners in Iran, Syria, Turkey, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Afghan women, as well as Black and Latino women prisoners in the US, Uyghur women in China's Xinjiang prisons, and Myanmar's Rohingya women in refugee camps in Bangladesh. Such an expression of solidarity can have a powerful impact on women prisoners and struggles in all of these countries, and can also deepen the Palestinian struggle for liberation. This need for deepening the content of the Palestinian struggle was also manifested in Palestinian women's protests against femicide and for a free homeland in the fall of 2019. The protesters' demands included immediate action against gender violence and the recognition of women's rights, women's right for autonomy as central to Palestinian self-determination. Protests clashed and faced repression by the police force in Jerusalem. They founded the Talat movement against gender and sexual violence. It is by building on these issues and struggles in the context of promoting real structural transformation that I think socialists in the region can deepen the emancipatory content of the struggles and hence move in the direction of women. The final speaker on today's program is Boudour Hassan. She's a Palestinian socialist, feminist and journalist based in Jerusalem. Attention may have subsided. Jerusalem in particular and Palestine in general may no longer be in the headlines. But that doesn't mean that the effects of the uprising that erupted in April and May in Jerusalem and then expanded to the rest of Palestine to both sides of the Green Line have ended. In fact, since May, Israel has continued its uh, wave of arrests. Hundreds of Palestinians have been arrested since May. The vast majority of whom are working class prisoners. Uh, they are not qualified or are not defined as activists. And as such, they have received very little attention. 
one of the most important figures in the struggle for self-determination and in defense of the homes and the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, who is Murad Atiyeh, has been detained by Israel since August. Israel charges him with terrorism. Why terrorism? Because he has been hosting uh, activists in his house, because he has been organizing protests, because he has been refusing to kneel to Israel's attempt to displace him and his family and the other seven families from uh, the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah. Many of these arrests, or as I said, most of these arrests don't receive attention because those who are being arrested are not famous activists, they do not speak English, so most people don't hear of them. But that doesn't mean that the protest movement has ended. Yes, it has subsided, but its effects continue to linger, either through the form of mass arrests, as I said, or through the newly found optimism and hope that this movement has sparked in people. There was a sense of reclaiming our dignity, of reclaiming our unity, that the uprising of May has sparked in Jerusalemites and, Jerusalemite and in Palestinians. Many people told me that this is the first time that in a long time that I feel proud of being being Palestinian. And pride here is not a shallow, empty, nationalist sense of pride. It's rather feeling that, yes, the city belongs to me. Yes, I matter. Yes, Israel can't uh, break me, can't break my, my spirit, can't take over my city without me being able to do anything in return. And the uh, escape and the heroic resistance and escape of Palestinian of six Palestinian prisoners from the uh, Gilboa prison has only contributed to increasing this sense of pride. Even though, though all of these six prisoners were eventually re-arrested, the very fact that they managed to flee the prison, they managed to escape, has done something incredible to the Palestinian psyche, to the national and general Palestinian feeling in the street. It also has sparked a newly born uh, interest in the prisoner cause all around the world. In Palestine, of course, this interest never ended because prisoners always represent a very important uh, principle and factor in the Palestinian society. But it at least reminded people that these prisoners, many, some of whom have been imprisoned by Israel for more than 30 years, many of whom have been imprisoned by Israel before some of us have been even born, that these prisoners are not just they're sitting, they're trying, they're thinking, they're trying to uh, go out, they're trying to tell the people that well, yes, we still exist and our liberation and our freedom should not just be dismissed, should be treated as a national uh, priority. So all, all of these events, but especially these two events, the protest movement in May and the uh, heroic resistance act of the prisoners which manifested itself in escaping the maximum security of prison of Gilboa demonstrate the importance of both supporting Palestinian political prisoners on the one hand and supporting all of the Palestinian people resisting against Israel forcible transfer and mass displacement. Locally, of course, many uh, communities have been formed uh, horizontally and without much probably 
uh, initial organization. They were the result of the organization organizing that started from the protests, and they're still trying to work. It's not easy because of Israel's repression, but they're try still trying to rekindle the movement that started in May to keep it going, to insist on the importance of taking advantage and using the momentum of that movement to work slowly, but perhaps silently, in order to build awareness, to build this national consciousness, and to keep Palestine on the agenda, and to resist any future Israeli attempt at uh, resuming its plans to um, expel the people from Sheikh Jarrah or from Silwan. Internationally, of course, the support that we received from workers uh, in, in May was crucial. Uh, although some probably didn't even hear of it before, the fact that it was circulated, that people finally heard that they're not alone was very important for them to know that we're not alone, that we're being supported, that there are people in the UK, in uh, South Africa, in Italy, uh, in Latin America also, who hear of our plight and who are not just sitting there uh, idly by, but are are supporting our cause effectively and doing something effective and concrete to support our cause. Uh, obviously, the support for the Palestinian book divestment and sanctions movement against Israel in all of its form, including cultural and academic boycott, is also one of the ways in which we believe it's very important to support the Palestinian cause. And finally, to keep talking about Palestine, not only in moments where there is something really difficult happening, not only in moments when there is bloodshed and when there are Israeli massacres, but but also in moments where there is seem when it seems that the situation is quote unquote back to normal. It's not normal. What Israel is doing daily on a daily basis to us, to the Palestinian people, should not be normalized, should not be treated as routine. It's abnormal what Israel is doing. And it's very important to refuse to normalize it by writing about it, by speaking about it, and refusing to normalize the situation, to accept it as a fact taken for granted is also one form of resisting this occupation. That was Budur Hassan, and before her, Frida Afari, the first speaker on the show today was Noura Mansour. All speakers were addressing the question, how do we win in Palestine? And they spoke at a public meeting on the 9th of October, organised by Australia Asia Worker Links. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally by the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. 
Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I look forward to your company again next week.